So we've been doing a sermon series on the sermon series on Jonah, or as we've called it, Jaws. Thank you, guys. This is their doing. Appreciate that. Jaws. Jonah, a whale of a story. That's the acronym for Jaws, right? We're trying to scare you away from the water and um, from Cedar Lake, because there's lots of sharks in there for sure. No, but Jonah, a whale of a story. Um, We're wrapping it up today. And if you've been with us for the past few weeks, you've heard the stories that we've been sharing. Jonah, well, first of all, Jonah is not just a guy that exists only in the story of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet of God in Israel. Actually, there's, there's writing about him elsewhere in the Hebrew Scriptures where Jonah would, uh, was prophesying blessing over his nation and his prophecies came true. So this is, he's quite a good guy. Good guy, loves his nation, loves, his, loves, you know, loves to prophesy good. God was using him. He has a whole lot more to his life than this story. Unfortunately, the book that's called the book of Jonah is kind of like, well, that's what he's famous for, and it's not a very flattering story for him. Isn't it lovely when you do all these things in your life, a lot of good things and some bad things, and the one thing you get to be famous for is the bad thing? That's kind of Jonah's luck, you know, here. So the story of Jonah was not him at his finest, but he was a prophet of God, used by God to do a lot of great things. But we saw the story of the book of Jonah is divided into four chapters, which is very well done, because each chapter teaches a great truth of its own. We call them four stanzas, if we could. And in stanza one of Jonah, we saw that Jonah was told by God, I want you to go from your home country and I want you to go to the kingdom of Assyria and I want you to preach a warning of coming judgment against the capital city of Assyria, which is Nineveh, and warn them of destruction coming if they don't turn from their evil ways. And just tell them that. And um, Jonah was like, I don't want to do that. Because remember, the kingdom of Assyria was a mighty empire that was growing, and to, to Jonah and to all the nations around Assyria, they were a threat. They would conquer lands, deport the people, you know, uh, they would just, they, were, they did terrible things sometimes to enemies who opposed them, uh, very barbaric. No one liked Assyria. They were going to conquer. They were a threat to Israel's national sovereignty. And Jonah's like, I don't care about Assyria, and I don't care about Nineveh. They are not working in my own and my nation's best interest. So you can judge them if you want to, God. I don't want to go warn them. So when God told Jonah to go, because he's going to destroy them, Jonah's like, good, you destroy them. I'm going to go the other way. Hops on a ship in Joppa. Instead of taking the coastline up towards Nineveh, he takes it the other direction to Tarshish. But along the way, God chases him down with a storm. And at some point, Jonah realizes he's not getting away from God. And he's cast into the sea. And uh, the Lord had arranged a large fish to swallow him. But the whole chapter, stanza number one, reminded us, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that God loves people that you don't like. And God loves people that I don't like. And this is something we have to, to just check our hearts about. We also saw that God cares about you and about who you care about. Well, in stanza number two, Jonah's in the belly of this fish. And he thinks he could die from drowning in the ocean, die from the fish. He's praying in desperation to God. God, I made a mess. I blew it. Now I'm dead. But maybe you can still hear me. Maybe you can save me. It's never too late to cry out to God. Even when you feel like it's your own fault. And Jonah wasn't a mess of his own making. But he cried out to God. 
And God heard him, and he began to realize while he was there that he was not in safety yet, but he was still being sustained, and he began to praise God in that dark place. And we were reminded that week that just because you're helpless doesn't mean it's hopeless. Then last week in stanza three, we saw that Jonah was spit out, <clears throat> deposited on the shore, and sitting there in that pile of whatever that was that came with him, he was free, he survived his running from God, but was God done with him? No, he found that God had not changed his mind, that God had the same plan for Jonah that he had before Jonah ran. That Jonah may have been on a big detour, ups and downs and crazy storms and crazy rides, but when he came back to God's presence, he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't change his purposes, his plans, his will to reach all with his message of hope was still intact. And God says, Jonah, you know what to do. Go to Nineveh. And Jonah went to Nineveh and warned them of God's coming judgment, and they, they repented. They, they heard the message. They uh, humbled themselves. That We saw they prayed and sought God. They turned from their evil ways, which is something that the nation of Israel was told to do, but they never did. But here the, nation, the city of Nineveh did those very things and uh, found revival. And in the story, Jonah was used by God still, and we said this last week, and that is that your, your past is where you were then, not who you are now. And that God is not the one who can't get past your past. And that brought us through the end of the third chapter. And we left off at the very end where Jonah had delivered the warning. Nineveh had listened. They turned to God and turned from their evil ways. And the chapter ends in verse 10 of chapter 3. When God saw what they, the people of Nineveh, what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. And this, folks, this was everything that Jonah was afraid was going to happen. This is everything that Jonah was afraid God was going to do. It's why he ran in the first place. His own nation in Israel didn't listen to God. His own people didn't listen, but now these other people had. These people were a threat to the future of his struggling nation. And I, I've been kind of talking about this the last few weeks, but I want to kind of get down and drill a little deeper before we read chapter 4. And that is this. It's so easy for us. It's so easy for us to decide. And by the way, don't just read the story of Jonah and think he's weird and we're not like that. It's easy for us to decide that we don't like certain groups of people for lots of reasons. Maybe they're a threat to your job or your promotion or your ideas in your company or your neighborhood or, or they're, you know, maybe it's somebody in your, in your faith community that you don't, you know, like what they're trying to do. Or maybe it's, um, maybe it's, um, People nationally, this is a big problem with a lot of Christians today, people nationally that you think are a threat to how you think, you know, things ought to be done. And if they get their way, they'll destroy everything I care about, you know, and, and they're a threat to me and my way of life. And boy, I tell you, a lot of people who uh, are Jesus followers spend a lot of time in that tension of being angry at people that they feel are a threat to, to, to what they want and how they think it should be. And Jonah wasn't imagining a threat. Jonah wasn't imagining that worst case scenario. He wasn't hyper inflating a problem so that they can win the contest. And for us to win, they have to lose. Jonah was saying these people can take over and prophesy that they will take over our nation for real. Why would he want them to be helped? 
They, 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 he did not want them to have God's favor and blessing. While his own nation kind of plugged their ears to God and made unwise choices that brought them to destruction, he wanted them to prosper still, and these people were a threat to his way of life. And now he went, and he tried not to go, but God sent him anyhow. He warned the people, and they had their little revival, and God spared them. And Jonah is not at all happy. Let's begin chapter 4 and see it together. Verse 1, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. The change of plans referring to God changing his mind about destroying Nineveh. They had turned from their evil ways. They turned from the things that were being destructive to their nation's well-being. And because of it, they avoided the, the, the judgment and the, and, the, and the struggle that would come. And it bothered Jonah. He became very angry. It's easy to throw stones at Jonah, but I've seen a lot of people, a lot of Christians, spend a lot of time being angry at the people we don't agree with, the people we don't like, and the people we feel threatened by, and the people that we just, we don't care how insulting and demeaning and cutting and snarky and one-liners and zzz, and, and, and rah, because we don't like them. And Jonah feels the same way. He's a prophet of God. He's a good guy. But he is so upset that these people could win, that they can, they can have blessing come into them. He's so angry. Here's what he says in verse 2. So he complained to the Lord about it. Here's what, here's what he says. Don't miss the, look at the tone here in the words. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it for my nation, they wouldn't listen. But I knew that if these people would, they'd experience your blessings. Miss the harshness that comes from going the wrong direction, away from you and doing wrong. I knew they'd listen. Because I know you, God. You're merciful. So, so upset about it. Merciful. I mean, I love mercy. Don't take me wrong. I love mercy when it benefits me. I love compassion. I love grace. Woohoo! It's good stuff. I love unfailing love, but not for them. And I knew you'd be that way, God. You're eager to turn back from punishing people. Oh, he's upset. And here's, if you don't downplay, look at verse 3. It's he says, just kill me now, Lord. Just kill me now. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Just let me die. I mean, he's like really upset. Jonah, listen, Jonah had obeyed God after the compelling case that God had made at sea. In other words, I'm not going to obey you. Oh, wait, a storm. Oh, wait, a fish. You know, oh, wait, a puke pile. Okay, I'll obey you. So God made a compelling case, and Jonah, Jonah had obeyed God. However, however, his heart was still hardened against the people like it was in the beginning. He did what he was supposed to do, but he wasn't happy about it in his heart. It's kind of like when you're, you're, you know, you're a kid or you're raising kids and you tell them to eat their, well, they don't want to eat like vegetables. Eat your veggies. And they're like, I don't like them. And um, you're like, well, you're going to eat them. You ever, have, you ever say this? Well, well, I'll eat them. I'll eat it, but I won't like it. Right? That's a, that's a great one. I'll eat it, but I won't like it. Um, I, did, I may have done that a few times or 20 when I was young. And then I paid for it later on when I raised my own. Uh, I'll eat it, but I won't like it. Of course, you could always do the old-fashioned method, put ketchup all over your vegetables. I've seen kids just drown their vegetables in, in ketchup. 
broccoli covered and smothered. How, now, let's be honest now. How many of you adults in this room, adults, you still put ketchup on your vegetables all these years later? Anybody? Okay. No one's, we had one guy admit it last hour. Well, his, his wife pointed him out, actually. Um, hey, I'm not judging you. Uh, but that's gross, okay? So I am judging you. Uh, but, you know, I remember being young. You'll, you'll eat your vegetables. I'll eat it, but I won't like it, you know? That was Jonah in the story. Jonah's like, fine, God, you kind of put me against the wall. I guess I'll go to Nineveh and warn them, but I won't like it. Oh, good, you forgave them. Fine, I did what I was told to do. I don't like it. Just kill me, God. He is really upset. Verse four, the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? Some of us, when we get upset, when we get upset at other people, because they win and then we lose or they're getting ahead and we're not or, you know, their agenda's achieved and mine's not or they're, you know, they're just jerks and I'm a good guy. Whatever makes us mad and turn up at people and our heart is wrong. I think sometimes you need to let God tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, is it right? Is it right for you to be angry about this? Yes. Is it right for you, really, to be angry about this. And look what Jonah says in verse 5. Jonah went out of the, he went out to the east side of the city. He didn't answer. He's going to do the old silent treatment. He just goes out to the east side of the city, made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. Now understand that in this area, wasn't very cozy out there. He kind of builds as best of a shelter as he could find. It's not cozy. You'll see it later in the story. He's not comfortable. This is not a holiday in express. Okay. He, did not get a, he didn't book an Airbnb in the city. He goes out of the city, builds a little lean-to, sits there in misery to watch what's going to happen to the city. In other words, he's still hoping that God's going to destroy them. He's maybe thinking, maybe God just, I don't know, he said, God said 40 days, and it's been, what, about a week? I'll wait and see what's going to happen. They're going to mess up again, probably. And then God, I'm going to wait and see. Not, not from inside the city, because again, I don't like those people. I'm just going to get out here and wait and hope for the worst. So he sat there. Now, interestingly, as Jonah's sitting there hoping for God's wrath at people he don't like, that he finds dangerous, Jonah had actually done the right thing. I'm afraid we're going to rush past this. Jonah had done the right thing thing. What did God tell Jonah to do in the beginning? Go to Nineveh, preach. Did he do it right away? No, he didn't do it right away. But listen, folks, he did it in the end through coercion. But he did it. He had done the right thing. So in other words, Jonah's off the hook, right? He just wants his prophecy of destruction to still occur. And so God is about to set out to address a selfish heart. Verse number six. Here's what God does. And the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. I'm going to pause. Don't miss that word arranged. It's not the first time in the story of Jonah that God arranged something. In chapter one, we saw that God arranged a great fish to swallow him. In other words, how is that possible? We discussed the implausibility of that story. God arranged. God in his his, his miraculous creation powers. He arranged a, a fish. But now God's arranging something different. He's arranging a leafy plant. And the last thing he arranges is to get Jonah to go to Nineveh for the sake of Nineveh. 
Now God's going to arrange something else because he's now working on Jonah. He arranges a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread out its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun, and this eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Out there, angry, waiting to hope for the worst for those people, this plant grows very quickly by God's miraculous grace. It's covering him. It's beautiful. Jonah just loves this plant. He becomes very attached, grateful for its comfort, happy for its presence. It was nourishing and helpful to him while he sat there and wished people would die. Um, as we're going to see this in a moment here in his heart. But it's interesting to me, you know, it's just a plant. Those are people. It's like the world we live in today. You know how many people are running around saying, we still feel, we feel, care so much for animals. I think we should care for animals. But we care so much for animals and hate people. You know, and I don't know, so many people who feel that way. Like human beings created in God's image and we can get so hateful towards them. And Jonah's over here loving this plant. Oh, it's so beautiful, so comforting. While hoping the people that he didn't agree with would get what he wanted to come to them. Well, God's not done arranging things yet. In verse number seven, it says, Then the Lord also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun, verse 8, as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. I used to never understand um, the idea that a wind would be a bad thing when you're hot. Because growing up in, in this area, to me, when it's hot outside, you love it when the wind blows. That's refreshing in the Midwest. That's my experience. Oh, good, a breeze. Whoo! I remember being in Los Angeles County one time with Michelle and I were there together and uh, our first time there and it was hot. It wasn't really humid, it was hot. And we were not far from, in the ocean, sometimes the, a breeze would blow off from the ocean our direction. And it was never comforting. It was hot air. Nothing worse than you're hot outside and hot air is blowing on you. Like, oh, nah. So here's Jonah, he's out here suffering and now he's in the sun and he has a little lousy built, lean-to he built and instead of staying in the city, instead of going in town and grabbing some Chick-fil-A and you know, finding a place to rest, he, he's sitting out here in the sun and now the leaf thing grows and it's comforting and now it's dead and now the sun's beaten down, the breeze is miserable and it says that the sun beat down on his head until he grew faint. And he wished to die. This is something Jonah says a lot. You saw it earlier. Just kill me now, Lord. Here he is again. He wished to die. He says, death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Whenever I read that, here's what I always think. Well, Jonah, then why are you living like this? No one sent you out of the city to go roast in the sun. Death is better than living like this. Well, then change something. Call an Uber. Go back inside. I don't know. No, he's upset. He's just like, you know, kill me now, God, you know. Weird. But he's so, that's what happens when we get irrational in our disdain and how we want the world to go and how we're upset when things aren't in our control. Jonah's angry. Look what God says to him in verse nine. Then the God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Interesting. Because earlier, when Jonah was mad that the people were being spared, God's like, is it right for you to be angry that I spared the people? And Jonah didn't even answer him then. Now he's like, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because a plant died? And Jonah, look at Jonah, he's like, yes, he retorted. Even angry enough to die, there he is dying again. Even angry enough to die, he's upset. And God is just trying to show him something. 
And don't miss verse 10. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant. Though you did nothing to put it there. You didn't grow that plant. You did nothing. It came up quickly and died quickly. And you feel sorry. You feel sorry about it. Verse number, the next part, he says this. But Nineveh, God says, Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Not to mention all the animals. And he says, shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Hmm? Jonah, you feel sorry for the plant? You didn't do anything to put that plant there. I created those people. I put the breath in their lungs. Shouldn't I feel sorry for their plight and their bad choices and the destruction that they've been brought on themselves more than you feel for that plant? Jonah, where are your priorities towards people? Why do you hate people so much? When I created them, they're in spiritual darkness, but I want to redeem them. He was saying, Jonah, you are looking at, and by the way, we all do this. At all the core of all of our sins is pride and selfishness. It just shows in different ways for different people. In Jonah's case, he was very selfish and he's wanting his own comforts and he's mad. And God's like, Jonah, let me show you what you care about is you. But I want you to care about what I care about. All these people. Now, you say, why is this, God, why is this important? The chapter could have ended after chapter, the whole book could have ended after chapter three. Chapter three ended on a high note. The city had a revival. The end. Now we have chapter 4 and Jonah's all sulking over here and God's working on him. And here's why. Because God cared about more than Jonah's actions here. God cared about more than Jonah's actions. He cared about his heart. He wanted him to eat his veggies and like it too. My dad used to say that to me sometimes. I'll eat it but I won't like it. You'll eat it and you'll like it. How could you even mandate that by the way? I want to know that. Oh. Smile. I don't know. But uh, no, uh, you'll eat it and you'll like it. God wanted Jonah to do the right thing, to go to Nineveh, to preach the right message, and to like it. And to like it. And to care about the people. Not just to go, but to care. You see, folks, this is so important. The heart, the heart matters. Your heart matters. It matters to God who can see beyond the actions and look at the heart behind the scenes. Here's what I've learned. Many people who identify as Christians are guilty, are guilty of thinking that the outward performance is enough to justify any inward issues. Hey, I did the right things, okay? I went here, I went to church, I did the devotional, I did my spiritual disciplines, I was kind to people, whether I liked them or not, I, I, I did the right things in life, I stayed faithful, I didn't cheat, I, da, 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 da. I did the right things, and therefore if my outward performance is good enough, and I check the boxes pretty well, better than most people at least, that's enough to justify my inward issues. We want to believe that doing the right thing is sufficient. Even if we have a heart of pride, of prejudice, of anger, of arrogance, of bitterness, and even hate. And I wish I can tell you that it was easy to address, but as Jonah shows us, it's not. And the truth is that culture, including Christian culture, won't always encourage you to, to, to address this. As long as your outward performance is good, 
You can find people, you can find people, you can find memes on social media and people saying things and posting things that, that will validate your anger and disdain and bad heart towards other people. Justify it. Encourage it. Stir up the pride and snark in all of us. We find churches, sadly, that will proclaim and, 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 and normalize that to where, yeah! And, and it's not easy. Jonah was a prophet of God. It was not easy. His outward performance was good. He did all the things, including go to Nineveh, which he didn't even want to do, but he did it. So who cares about my heart? Who cares about my pride, my anger, my, my arrogance, my prejudice, my bitterness, my hate? I did what I needed to do. Have you ever come to the spot where you wanted to comply so that you could be left alone, but just leave me alone with my heart, even though my heart is wrong? Let me tell you a little story about me. When I was a teenager, this is nothing new. Every teenager could probably tell the same story or some version of it. When I was a teenager, there were times when um, I was not allowed to do the things I wanted to go do. Usually my mom was, you know, the one, you know, because she was very present there. She would say, no, you can't go do that thing. Could it be because I didn't do my chores? Could it be because she didn't like the place I was wanting to go or the people I was wanting to go with or any other reason? She'd say, no, you can't go, Arlen. And I'd be, you know what I would do? I'm to, you you want to guess what I would do? I'm like, okay, my dear mother, I love you so much. Thank you for caring about me. No. I argued with her. Well, mom, it's okay because uh, you don't understand. You don't even, you don't like my friends. You misunderstand them. Their parents let them. I have the dumbest rules. You know, I had, I'm on my, you know, I have my reasons, my attitude. Eventually she'd be like, no, you're not going. And you know what I would do then? Sulk. Usually in my room, this is a good place to sulk. And at some point, my mom my, had the audacity, the audacity to come to my room where I was sulking and try to talk to me about my attitude. She wouldn't come in like mean. She'd come in nice and say, Arlen, I know you're disappointed, but I want to explain to you why, why I don't think you should go. And you know what I would do? It's embarrassing now. It's shameful now. I would say, Mom, you got your way, okay? I'm not going, okay? You got your way, so, so just, I don't want to talk about it, okay? You can't make me not go, and I also want to talk about it like it's okay. You got your way, I'm here, okay? Leave me alone. Just let me have my bad attitude at least. I can't go, get your, I'm, I'm complying, leave me alone, right? My way of punishing her, maybe, for not giving me my way. If I can't go to the party, then you're going to feel bad about how I feel. But, I just, but maybe it wasn't even that nefarious. I'm visiting in hindsight. Maybe you just really didn't want, I'm just upset. I couldn't go. Let's not talk about it too, okay? But why was my mom doing that? Was she coming in because she was trying to lord it over me or trying to rub it in my face like my pride wanted to believe? No. She was doing that because she cared. She cared about my heart. She cared about not just what I did and didn't do, but my heart. Listen carefully, this is important. Young people, by the way, it's very important. Your parents, you don't, they might not agree with your parents, but never doubt their heart for you. And never punish them or have a hard heart towards mom and dad because they love you. Because they're just trying their best. And you'll know this one day. We all learn this one day. It's a scary job and you want the best for them. And, it, and you can't be friends over being a parent. You gotta be a parent first. 
And if you don't like what they let you do or don't let you do, don't doubt their heart for you. And don't hurt them in, in your upsetness. But I remember my mom just wanted my heart. She just wanted it to be okay. It wasn't good enough that I was staying home. She wanted it to be okay. She wanted to make sure that her son had a healthy heart. That's what God's doing to Jonah here. God's coming to Jonah. And Jonah's like, I did. I outwardly performed. I followed your plan. You may have had to mate me, but I still did it. Leave me alone. Isn't that enough? Why don't you just leave me alone? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, folks. God loves you too much to leave you alone. He loves you too much to leave you alone. There's a verse in the scriptures, both in the Hebrew scriptures and the Christian scriptures, uh, that, that says the same thing. Whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Whom the Lord loves, he corrects. That's what God does when he loves. That's what, what we ought to do is say, God, you could have just left me alone in my bad state of mind, but you're not. And it's not because you're trying to whatever. It's because you love me too much to leave me alone. And this is a big, big, beautiful truth that I want us to see as we wrap up this book of Jonah. That your heart, your heart matters to God because you matter to God. If God's working on your heart, it's because he's working on you. It, your heart matters to God because you matter to God. It's never good enough for God because he wants the best for you. Think about this. This is so important. Think about this. The revival in Nineveh is over. Who cares about Jonah's heart now? He did. What did God tell him to do at the beginning? Go to Nineveh, warn them. He did it. Why does this heart matter? The story's finished. Jonah could have walked out of there and said, fine, God, just kill me now. And God's like, you know what? Okay. Ping, choom. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you want to, you're like, okay. Because you did the job. If you're going to be that way, then go ahead. The story of Nineveh is over. It does not matter to Nineveh what happens to Jonah now. But it still mattered to God. And God is revealing to Jonah that he cared about who Jonah was, not just what Jonah did. God did not chase Jonah for Nineveh's sake. God chased Jonah for Jonah's sake. You know what's crazy about this book? If you've been reading along with me just now, that was the end. That last verse where God's like saying, Jonah, you care about the plant but not the people? Shouldn't you care about the people? I care about the people. That's how it ends. It's like I feel like they just didn't end it well. Like I want to go knock on the door. Excuse me. Talk to your uh, storyteller here. Could have ended in chapter three, you know, just the people had revival. But you're going to bring us to this Jonah has a bad attitude and God's working on him and he's sulking. And then it ends. Just the, just, it just ends right where we left it. Open-ended. It's kind of like the story of the prodigal son. If you know the story of the prodigal son, the younger son runs away and makes a mess of things and finds his way back home and the older brother sees the party going after the younger brother. So the older brother goes out back and is angry and dad's got to come out to the backyard and say, son, your brother's home. Why do you have this attitude? Your attitude towards someone you don't like in your family. It's, your heart's wrong, son. Come back in the house. And the story ends. We don't know what happens. It doesn't bring him back in the house. It just ends that way. Did the boy go back in the house? or did he say, we don't know. Same with Jonah. He's out there not liking this group of people, and God's bringing them mercy, and he's mad. And God's like, Jonah, your heart. 
His heavenly father is saying, Jonah, your heart. And it doesn't tell us what happens. Why couldn't it say, and then Jonah had a moment of truth and repented of his bad attitude and smiled and they all lived happily ever after. It doesn't say that. It just ends. Open-ended. Was his heart ever changed? I guess the ball is in our court as well. Because this really is an open-ended story. When, when, when we talk this way, and again, there'll be plenty of people that will encourage you and almost even spiritualize sometimes, if they're not careful, a wrong outlook on others. But here's the thing. If God tries to knock on the door of your heart, like with Jonah, the ball's in your court. How the story ends is completely up to you. Do we double down and say, I don't care, it's how I'm going to be? I do enough, who cares how I feel? Or are we going to say, God, you're right. My heart matters to you because I matter to you. And I'm listening. What are we going to do? As we head home today, I want to leave us with one more statement, an important truth from this story that we always ought to carry with us, especially when God is doing a difficult work in our hearts. It's something that we say here often. It applies to the topic today, and that is this. You are more important than what you do. We say this so often here. Usually when we say that statement, we're talking to someone who's joined our volunteer team to work in some part of the church, and we're like, hey, thanks for joining us, but if you ever get, like, you need to step away because you're struggling, don't run and feel bad and hide from us. It's okay, you can step away. You are more important than what you do. That's what we usually use the statement to mean. But it means so much more. You are more important than what you do. You are, you know. God is grateful for what you do for him, like Jonah did. God is grateful for what you do for him and for others. But he sent his son to redeem and bring you back. To redeem and bring you back when you were able to do nothing for him. When we were able to do nothing for him, he sent his son to redeem us back. He built a bridge through his sacrifice on, on the cross through the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood and his resurrection, he built, a, he built a bridge of relationship back to us while we were being difficult because he just loves you and loves me. And he, he just valued you for you, and he still does. And if you've gotten involved in the Christian life and you started to serve him, and now you're just doing the right things, but you're not having the right heart, listen, don't forget while you're serving him that you are more important than what you do. That means that he may still work on you along the way. He might not leave it alone and say it's good enough. He may not just say, ah, go ahead. Whatever. He may keep working on you because he cares. You matter to him, not just your service. You are more important than what you do. And I hope that today, as we wrap up the story of Jonah, I hope that somewhere in each of these stanzas, the truth of that week spoke to you in a way you need it or that you'll need it one day and you'll recall it. But never forget that God's not just after you to do the right thing. He's after your heart.